I am going to be reading and sharing from Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. You can find on page 1162 in the Bibles provided in the chairs. This is the final concluding sermon of the 10 marks of a healthy church. It isn't that we're finished with trying to do the 10 marks of a healthy church. No, the hope is we would continue striving and growing and learning that until either we die or Christ returns. I mean, that's kind of the the hope for our life. But this is where we're concluding, focusing in on this series. So I started the series and I conclude it with parallel passages with the same exact theme. Humble service, humble service. Because the only way we can do any of these things or we can see any of these 10 marks of a healthy church established within our church, the only way that can happen is if, number one, our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our passion and desire, our life is focused on Jesus Christ. He's our everything. He's the author and perfecter of our faith, salvation, eternal life. So we have to be fixed on Jesus Christ. A part of that is number two, we have to be humble. We have to be humble. We have to bow down before Jesus Christ. He is king. He is Lord. You know, some of we get confused by the world. And we think that the, to look our best, we got to spend a whole lot of time in the mirror. A whole lot of time. Now, a mirror can be helpful. A mirror can be helpful. Let me tell you, after we did our camping, traveling extravaganza for 16 days, there was one moment we went into a national park bathroom and I looked in the mirror for the first time in five days. Wow. That was something. So, so mirrors can be helpful, but they can be dangerous. That you think the best way you could be yourself is by looking in the mirror. Well, that's, that's not what it is spiritually. The best way you could be who you are and look the best you can is to have your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. So that's, that's part of that humility of dying to ourself and, and living to Christ. So that's at the foundation of that. So that is the focus of this passage that we're going to be looking at today. Lord willing, next week we have communion and we'll be starting our next series. It's just a short series. It's for these last two months of the summer. Genesis. Oh, it's exciting. Genesis 1, 2, and 3. So start reading through Genesis, preparing your hearts and minds as we go through those wonderful passages. I'll just give you a little, I'll give a little away. God did it. So there you go. So just keep that in your mind as you read through it. And we'll be looking in more depth, but that's kind of just to give you a little preview. So we'll be studying that. But this morning we're going to be looking at Philippians 2, starting at verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... 
If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equity with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father." Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. Let us go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you will guide us into your truth, that you will fix our eyes and hearts on your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for wisdom, understanding, for discernment through the power of your Holy Spirit. Guide us into your truth and transform our lives according to your will. In Christ's wonderful name, amen. Amen. We see the Apostle Paul here to the church in Philippi. Starting this passage with an if. If. It's a very, very important if. Back in Philippians chapter 1, we see where he begins this same theme. He carries it through chapter 2. If you look at Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 27, here's where he kind of sets up this main theme. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm 
here's the theme, in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. I love that image. Side by side. Not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe, that's where we all shout, hallelujah, that it would be granted to me, a sinner, someone who rebelled against God, someone who is destined toward eternal destruction, that it would be granted to me that I should believe, that I should have faith, that I should come to know Christ and believe in Him and know His Word and trust His Word and be made alive in Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful? But verse 29 doesn't end there. It says, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, for His sake, for His glory, for His honor, for all that He accomplished on the cross, for all that He taught, for how He lived, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe, If you thought believing in that gift of faith was overwhelming, what more could there be? Not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Wow. This is the theme that the Apostle Paul is weaving through the book of Philippians. This understanding that when you are made alive in Jesus Christ, when you are given faith, that you're also given the opportunity to suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ. It's like when you believe in Christ and you understand what the cross means, that on the cross Jesus takes your sin and bears the wrath of God that you deserve and you receive his righteousness, you receive his perfection, his life is imputed, is counted to you, not only do you receive that in the cross, but you're also told to pick up your own cross and follow. So you find life through death. You find life through the death of Jesus Christ on your behalf, and you find life through dying daily by picking up your cross and suffering for Jesus Christ. So that's Philippians chapter 1. That's right leading into this chapter of Scripture. And that's why he says, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. A life worthy. A life giving honor and glory to Christ for the truth of who he is and what he is about. And the theme there is unity. One spirit, one mind, side by side. So that's the if of verse 1. So if we go back to Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, we see this if. If. So the Apostle Paul, what he's trying to do, he's 
He's teaching and guiding. We see how the Holy Spirit is inspiring this. This is God's word, breathed out by God. So we see where the Spirit is trying to bring this truth before the church in Philippi to help them understand what it means to be of one mind and one spirit side by side, giving glory to Christ through their fellowship, through their ministry, through their serving Christ side by side each other. So what does that mean? And he begins with this, if. If there's any encouragement, so he's speaking to this body of believers in Philippi, he says, if any of you have ever received encouragement in Christ, if you've ever experienced any comfort from the love of God, if you have any participation in the Spirit, if you've been made alive in the Holy Spirit's dwelling within you, if there's any affection, any sympathy, then, so here's the then. So if you've seen the power of God in your life, if you understand that you've been made alive and you know who Christ is, and you've seen this transformation where, you, where you're dying to sin and, and growing into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And you, and you begin to know what love is. And you begin to know what it means to love one another. And you begin to understand that a part of love is dying to yourself and picking up your cross and bearing one another, no matter how difficult and challenging If you've come to understand that, then, verse 2, here's the same theme. Be of the same mind, the same love, in full accord and harmony, in unity of one mind. Of one mind. This can be a difficult and challenging thing for us to face, Because it can be hard, I know for myself, to try to keep my mind fixed on one thing for more than a few minutes. You get bombarded by distraction and confusion and things come in, and then you find yourself, what was I thinking about or what was I trying to do? So to think of uniting a diverse group of people to be of the same heart and same mind fixed on Jesus Christ, well... That's miraculous. And that's exactly what it is. That's what we're seeing here. This is why we need to go to Christ. We're we're in prayer. We're in his word. We're fellowshipping. We're praying for each other. We're worshiping together. We're studying God's word together. And as we know each other deeply, we pray and we care for each other deeply. And then we realize how much easier it is to die for one another when you serve and worship and care and pray for. You realize you're united. You're united. And that's where the Apostle Paul is taking the church in Philippi and also us. So if we're going to be of the same mind, have the same love, and be in such unity, that means we've got to get rid of things that tear, divide, trip up, and cause divisions. Cause divisions. 
when you're making a road, the hope for that road is that that road would be as straight and as even as possible so that it would be as easy to travel and navigate down as you can. So we see here where this unity and focus is straightening out our hearts and minds and our lives to be so fixed on Christ that, that we are together traveling down this. But it becomes very hard when there's boulders and potholes and trees down across the path. It gets very difficult to travel. So you see this where, where the road's being cleared. Things are being cleared. So what has to be cleared away? The potholes of, verse 3, selfish ambition. The boulders and rock debris that have fallen off the cliffs above of conceit, of pride. These things have to be miraculously removed to the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives where we die to ourselves and live for Christ. And you need the smooth pavement of humility. That's what smooths this out. A humble service, a thinking of others, a lifting up of others, an honoring of others, so that whenever the obstacle of pride or thinking of oneself comes in a way, the humility of Christ comes and smooths that out so that we can continue going down the road together united so you see the key there is humility 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 is one of the most difficult things it's one of the most challenging things because humility means death it means death humility means death to our pride death to our selfishness death to our self-righteousness it means death to all of these things Humility means the cross. It means we, we bear our own crosses daily with our eyes fixed on the cross of Jesus Christ. So that's what's driving all this, this, this understanding of humility. So this means a new mind, a new mind. You see this theme of humility throughout the scriptures. You see this in Ephesians 4 where Paul writes to the church in Ephesus he speaks to them in verses 2 through 6 about being one, being united. And there he's focused on that aspect of bearing one another. And how do you maintain the unity of the Spirit? With the bond of peace. The bond of peace. Saying that no matter what pain, what difficulty, what conflict, what division... We are going to strive for peace and reconciliation and bear with one another so the love of God triumphs here rather than our own anger or division or conflict. Peter speaks about this in 1 Peter 3. He again speaks about unity and the, where he focuses on achieving unity is this. Break the cycle of revenge. Break the cycle of gossip. Break the cycle of trying to get even. Trying to make things fair. Oh, 
That's an endless cycle. So what does he say? In 1 Peter 3, when he strives for unity, he says this, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But if someone curses you, what do you do in return? You bless. You speak blessing. You speak truth. You speak love. Oh, but it's tempting. It's tempting when you feel a little singed. You feel little flames of someone licking at you. It gets tempting to turn around and throw some gas the other way. That's the wrong liquid. What's being spoke about here is the water of peace and healing. You put the flames out. You speak blessing and love. That's, what's, that's what Peter is talking about. The Apostle Paul deals with the same thing of unity, the same theme throughout Scripture in Romans 12. And there he talks about love and how he says you love and you bring unity is you try to outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo in lifting up and encouraging. You outdo one another in showing honor. Oh, now there's a miraculous transformation of our hearts and minds. Because how easy it is and how quick is it for us to outdo one another in sarcasm. Or outdo one another in a little jab here, a little push here, a little button push there, just to get a rise or two in sight. But to outdo one another in showing honor, in lifting up, oh, that's unity. That's humility. And that's where we're being driven here. So you see we're in verse 5 of Philippians 2. This means we have to have a new mind. We have to have a new mind. And that's what's exactly stated here. In Philippians 2 verse 5 it says this. It says, have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus. Okay. That's the brain transplant we all need. Are you ready for this? Who here needs a brain transplant to be of one heart and mind? Yes. So here's the brain transplant. It's this, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours. So remember Philippians 1 talked about these two things given to you, that you are given the ability to believe. You're given the opportunity to suffer. So how can you do those? Believe and suffer? It's because you are given the mind of Jesus Christ. Wow. So that's how this takes place. This is the great brain surgery. This is the, this is the new brain. We're given the new mind. And it's that of Jesus Christ. So what's Jesus Christ's mind like? Well, this is where... This is where the Apostle Paul takes us into the mind of Christ and shows us how we are to have a new mind to be like that. This is it. So this is where verse 6. So here we see this beautiful, beautiful expression of who Jesus is and what Jesus was thinking when he comes to earth. Verse 6. Who though he was in the form of God, so we understand the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, Equal, all-powerful, we have the Trinity. Yet you have this member of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, 
who though he was in the form of God, he is God, did not count equity with God a thing to be grasped. Meaning, yes, he is a member of the Trinity, but he did not say, well, because I'm a member of the Trinity, because I am God, I am not going to do anything that would in any way lower my status or bring any kind of suffering or harm to myself. That was not the mind of Christ. That was not the mind of Christ. That's why he let go of that. It says, verse 7, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by being, becoming obedient to the point of death and to underscore this, even death on a cross, the most shameful, humiliating death of a criminal of the day. So that's the mind of Jesus Christ. Though he is the Son of God, though he is God, King and Lord of Lords, the focus is this. We are in trouble. If we don't have a Savior, we're destroyed. We're condemned. We have no hope. So Jesus comes. The Father sends the Son. Jesus comes willingly to give His life so that we can have hope. This is this emptying. You see this in Romans 8. Romans 8 is where Paul in just a few lines, explains this emptying on our behalf. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, there's another one of those hallelujah passages. That's where in the church I grew up with, you had those hallelujah passages where it was automatic that if Reverend Stare would say that passage, the church would go hallelujah. So this is one of these hallelujah passages. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But think of that. No more condemnation. No more judgment. You're free. You're like, you, like your mother is independent now. Independent of that sin, that condemnation. That's, that's what this is getting at. Now, how is that we find that state? It's this, verse 3. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. Now think of this. The member of the Trinity, the son of God, perfect, holy. He comes and on the cross. He takes on the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. And he bears the wrath that we deserve on himself. He becomes, the scripture says, he becomes sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And God the Father condemns sin in the flesh of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So if that's what Jesus was willing to do for 
you and me, everyone here who is saved in Jesus Christ, how much more, the Apostle Paul is saying, will we make room in our schedule or will we sacrifice this or would we give this or do this to serve a fellow brother and sister in Christ? How much more are we called to die to our own desires and wants in the flesh and live according to the Spirit and live lives of service and sacrifice that Jesus would be lifted higher and higher, that our brothers and sisters in Christ would be honored and lifted higher and higher and closer to Christ, that we would be building each other up into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So that's the motivation that the Apostle Paul gives here. If that's the mind of Jesus Christ and how he understood reality and coming to the earth, then how much more should that be our understanding when we approach our marriages or our relationships or our children or families or, or approach the church and those around us? Whenever that pride starts to rise up, the cross should come to our mind and knock that down. Whenever self-righteousness would rise up, the cross should come before us and just knock that down. Die to it. Die to that. Live for Christ. That's that process of humility that we see transformed within us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So in verse 5, that's the new mind we have in Christ. It's a mind of emptying, sacrifice, and service. It's a mind of dying to ourself so that others would be lifted up to know Jesus Christ. And that's why in verse 9 it says, Jesus was then exalted. His name is above every knee. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that's what's spelled throughout the scriptures. You want to be exalted? You want to be lifted up? Then you humble yourself before God. Jesus explained this to the apostles. And this, again, is the key theme within this passage of Philippians 2. This is in Mark 10. Mark 10, it says this, And Jesus called them to him and said to them, here he's calling the the, his disciples, the apostles, and they were having a discussion of who was the greatest among them. Who is the greatest among them? Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Mm, that sounds pretty good. Just lord my authority over other people. Be higher than them. Verse 43, but it shall not be so among you. Oh, okay. This is different. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served. Here's the very theme of Philippians 2, 1 through 16. So here, whereas Paul is just taking this very statement from Jesus Christ and applying it to the church in Philippi. That's what we see here. So this is from the words of Jesus, verse 45. 
For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's it. So if that's the mind, that's the the life of Jesus Christ, then that's what Paul is doing with the church of Philippi. Then if our hearts and minds are fixed on that cross and who Jesus is, and the Holy Spirit's doing the work of humility in our lives, then that is what we will be about. We will be about sacrifice and service so that many and many, many would come to know Jesus Christ, would come to be free of sin and know salvation and hope. If you want to be exalted, the Scripture says, then you humble yourself before God and let Him exalt you. But if we exalt ourselves in our own pride and self-righteousness, then it says God will humble you. God will humble you. So we see where the mind of Christ is one of sacrifice and service. And that's where he ends this in verses 12 through 16. He ends it with these these three things to fix our hearts and minds on. The first is this. Verse 12, you have the famous passage. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. So we are driven. We knew our misery of sin and condemnation. We know the grace of God that we are saved and been set free in Jesus Christ. And now we live lives of gratitude and we live them out to be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, as Paul said in chapter 1. We don't work at our salvation, fear and trembling to earn our salvation. That's not possible. We can't do that. But we work at our salvation with fear and trembling as an expression of gratitude and soberness before a holy God and giving him the glory knowing that it is God ultimately who works in us in his sovereignty and in his grace. So verse 14, the, what that looks like is this. No more grumbling or disputing. No more divisions that pull apart the body of Christ. Instead, we are to shine like lights in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation reflecting the light of Jesus Christ. And how do we do that? Verse 16, by holding fast to the word of life. The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E. So literally here in Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, you have the two greatest hits of Sunday school songs ever. You have the This Little Light of Mine, which is verse 15. And you have the B-I-B-L-E, which is verse 16. You can't do better than those two songs. Sing them often. Live them out. And understand that This Little Light of Mine and the B-I-B-L-E is all based on the cross. 
the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are so good to us. Father, we pray that you will continue to work this miraculous work of humility in our lives. And that you will do this by fixing our hearts, minds, soul, and strength on your son, Jesus Christ, and his cross, his resurrection, his ascension, as we long for his return. In Christ's wonderful name, amen.